Welcome to AACS Today, the official podcast of the American Association of Christian Schools. Well, hello, friends. We want to welcome you uh, back, if we could say that, to AACS Today. Before we talk too much about that, let me reintroduce myself and also my co-host. I'm Matt Tiskis, co-host for the podcast, regional director for the Mid-South Region uh, in the AACS. And uh, co-hosting with my friend Jameson Coppola, who's the uh, government relations director for AACS based in Washington, D.C. Jameson, it's been a minute since we've been on the podcast. It sure has, Matt, but you don't look a day older. You look, you're look, you looking great, man. A little more gray hair, a little more gray hair, but uh, skinnier, <laughs> skinnier for sure. I'll say that. How about that? Uh, that sounds good, buddy. Yeah, it has been a minute, as you said, since uh, we've been podcasting, but it's good to be back with you. It absolutely is. You know, we really want to have another way to communicate with our schools. Now, Jamison, our schools, uh, and by the way, we're happy to communicate with folks who aren't part of our association as well to help them understand a little bit about the work uh, that we do and just some other things happening in culture, if you will, as well. But our schools should already be familiar with the Washington Flyer. Uh, Jamison, how do they get signed up for that, though, just in case they're not already receiving that resource? Yeah, so there's several ways which we communicate out of our office. The uh, Washington Flyers, our weekly publication, uh, you can go to our website, waacs.org, and sign up for that there. We've recently expanded our ability to uh, mail that out to a larger group of people. And so we're hoping that we will have um, more signups since we have the capacity now to get that out to more of our people. We communicate through capital comments. That comes out twice a year. And that tends to be more of a, a, a longer discussion of uh, pressing or relevant issues that we're seeing in our work. And then we wanted to add this podcast. Uh, the fact is that our, our culture with the technologies that we have is changing the way we access information. And podcasts are one of the primary ways that people uh, connect, uh, where they gather information where they engage in, in learning or advancing their knowledge on particular issues. And we just really feel like this is a great way for us to communicate. Uh, you and I, you know, we, we teased a little bit about, um, it's been a minute, been a while since we have done the podcast, but we were very successful during COVID. In fact, uh, we still, I still, and, and I'm assuming you do as well, Matt, when I travel to our teacher conventions and engage with our schools, we still get comments about how helpful the podcast was during that time. And so we want to uh, kind of reintroduce the podcast as another way for people to connect with the work that we're doing here in Washington, DC uh, on behalf of our schools and to just have some time where we can talk about important issues and give our people another way to access that information um, in, in an easy to uh, an easy to approach or easy to consume format. Uh, one thing, one thing. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say it's been two years since we yeah. last recorded a podcast episode. I, I honestly, I can't really even fathom that. That's that's pretty wild. But I think what you're communicating is that we're trying to catch folks uh, via snail mail, which is where Capital Commons comes, as you mentioned. And then you have the Washington Flyer, uh, which is a, a weekly email, and then this podcast, which. We hope to make on a more regular uh, basis. That's right. And, and you're right. How we consume news is so much different today. And, and being able to listen to a podcast has many advantages. I know you're someone who listens to podcasts. What are some of the advantages you find to 
gaining access to information through podcast? Yeah, well, you can you can do it um, at odd times and hours, right? <laughs> so, like I I uh, have experienced what many of you and many of our listeners will have experienced over the last few weeks and months, and that is fall leaves falling all over my yard. And uh, so I spent you know a couple hours outside a week or two ago, blow sweeping and had my earphones in and, and podcasts on. Um, one thing we didn't do, Matt, but maybe we should have considered is what our voice sounds like on like one and a half speed or two times speed, because it's an advantage of podcasts. You can consume information while you're doing other things and you can do it at a faster speed, which kind of, I think is a help if you're going to fit in more information into your busy schedule. You know, believe it or not, I actually do that. My wife tends to laugh at me. Uh, and even sometimes when I, if I'm listening to scripture, I'll speed it up and she just dies laughing because she's like, I could never understand it at, at 2X. Now, if I get beyond 2X, it's a little hard to, a little hard to keep up. But nonetheless, uh, you're right. There are so many advantages. I mean, uh, on the way to, to school, on the way to a ball game, on the way home, uh, over the weekend, on the way to church, it's just so easy to kind of pop something and listen to it while you're working around the house. Uh, it is, it's a great way to consume information. So we want to take an opportunity to kind of speak into that realm uh, with a regular podcast. And as you said, it was well-received during COVID. So I hope that uh, we can continue doing that. You know, I think our we've got some some really good plans. We'll, we'll have guests come on. I know in DC, uh, you have some really interesting folks that I know that our listeners would uh, really appreciate hearing from. And so we'll have we'll have guests and we'll we'll do all, all sorts of things that I think are going to be uh, helpful uh, for Christian schools and also help for them helpful for them to understand what you're what what the Washington DC office is doing as well as other aspects of our of our ministry but specifically kind of more focusing on DC. So looking forward to yeah. spend this time. Yeah indeed you know um I read one time uh several years ago that you know one of those commentaries or books that's that's trying to help people kind of organize their life or sort out how to be more effective at what their calling or their mission is. And I remember um, one of the distinctions was that people that were more successful tended to have more success in their occupation, didn't just listen to uh, music in their car. Uh, when they had downtime, they tried to consume um, books, audiobooks. Or other, this was a kind of, I think, at the beginning of kind of the pod, the explosion of the podcast uh, format. And so uh, one thing I, I try to do as a discipline sometimes, because when I get in the car, sometimes I want to turn the radio on and just empty my mind, have a, a bit of a break and listen to music. And in DC traffic, sometimes I'm just being honest, that's necessary. Probably a good uh, idea. That's right. Calm down, calm down. That's right, that's right, right. Calming music. But one of the things I try to do is listen to podcasts during that time to to avail myself of, of some time where it's hard to, you know, read. I mean, it's generally frowned upon if you're trying to read while you're also driving in DC traffic. Although I see other people do it. So <laughs> so we're we're saving our listeners <laughs> from having to read the flyer during traffic. And maybe they can uh, pick up this information on the podcast. Well, that's good. Well, let's let's move then to talking about uh, some of a an overview, just a general overview of the work uh, that the team is doing in DC. You know, a lot of our listeners may not be able to articulate, hey, what what does the DC office actually uh, do? And so, um, you all uh, really focus on four policy areas. So, why don't you kind of 
walk us through those policy areas. We'll start with uh, religious liberty. Why, uh, why does the American Association of Christian Schools want to focus on religious liberty? Yeah, so um, to, to kind of talk about what we do, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you what is kind of our elevator pitch. You know, a lot of times we get um, asked, you know, what is it exactly that you do in D.C. when we're trying to introduce ourselves to a congressman or a senator or a staff member? You know, we'll say we're the American Association of Christian Schools. We represent around 700 Christian schools around the country. We're organized in about 38 state and regional associations, and we represent now uh, over like 120,000 students. And our job is to represent our school's interests in Washington, D.C. in four policy areas, religious liberty, academic freedom, family formation, and the life issue, life from natural conception and from conception till natural death. And so those are that's how we channel our efforts and our advocacy and our um uh, our interests and kind of what we write about, what we think about, what we work on in those four areas. So when we talk about religious liberty, um, that may come to the forefront more often, let's say, uh, under particular administrations. Kind of, kind of what are, out of those four areas though, what are you kind of seeing bubble to the top in Washington uh, that you all are kind of having to deal with and live in on a more regular basis under the current administration that we have? Yeah, well, religious liberty is a really important issue. Um, I don't think it'll be a surprise to any of our listeners or maybe anybody that would have an interest in what we're talking about that um, the very idea of the the value or the goodness or um, importance of religious liberty is waning in in our culture. Now, now the good news is we've had some really important wins in the courts in religious liberty. Yes. And Sometimes, sometimes we'll talk about, you know, kind of this pendulum swing, because there's two phrases that the First Amendment uses when it talks about religious liberty. It says uh, the government shall not establish religion or prohibit the free exercise. So it's called the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause. For a couple of decades, um, the Supreme Court especially, but, but the, um, the inferior courts as well, we're in an anti-establishment phase, right? So they're always looking at is our, what are the ways that maybe we're ha we have constitutional violations in establishing religion. The prayer in school would be a huge illustration of that. Mm -hmm. Our, our um, you know, there was a legal case about prayer in schools, and the courts decided that prayer was an establishment of religion. Well, the good news is we've seen a shift. The pendulum has swung has swung away from establishment cases hard to free exercise cases. And so we're in a time period where we're reasserting the idea that the wall of separation that people will talk about between government and religion was really intended to protect religion from government or right. religious people from government, not um, government from religious ideas. Right. And so the good news is when we talk about religious liberty, um, the courts are um, favorable to free exercise. However, our culture, and, and because politics follows culture a lot, our culture is, is suspicious about religious liberty, to put it, I think, lightly. Um, they're not so sure that religious people ought to, quote unquote, be exempt from what the greater society or the greater culture thinks is uh, the right way to conduct yourself. 
And so when we talk about religious liberty and academic freedom, oftentimes I'll say those two things walk together for us. How do we separate our religious identity uh, from our mission as educators? And so religious liberty and academic freedom walk together for us. Right now, we spend a lot more of our time defending our religious liberties than we do our academic freedoms because largely um, the, the battle right now is recapturing the virtue of what our First Amendment promises, and that's uh, our ability to be full members of civic society while still being uniquely religious. And, and we have some great partners uh, in D.C. Uh, that, that help us. And so uh, that is uh, really uh, great as well, that we can... Um, work with people who are on our team on this. We're not, we're not there trying to do all these things on our own necessarily, but we're, but we have great partners who are there. Those are That's some, right. those are some yeah. uh, important areas. And, and, and our schools are familiar with um, names like ADF uh, would be a, a Alliance partner. defending freedom. Yeah, yeah. Alliance defending freedom that, that we work with there in DC. When we think about uh, family formation uh, and life, uh, obviously uh, we are uh, unashamedly uh, pro-life. We're going to support that uh, for sure. Talk to us a little bit, though, about this uh, concept, this policy area of family formation, and what that might, how that might impact um, our schools. Let's say. Yeah. Well, I mentioned a little bit ago the challenges that we have uh, in religious liberty. Religious liberty, right now, the primary challenge comes out of an idea of civil rights connected to the, the our, our culture and our society's changing definitions of sex, sexual orientation, and gender identity, right? And so, um, you know, when I say that religious liberty and academic freedom walk together, more and more family formation walks together with that too, because we have a... a um, we have a perspective on family formation now that is foreign to the, at least the, the primary message makers in our society. And that is kind of family can be anything and family should be anything. If anybody decides they're a family, they're a family. But we think that the Bible explains a certain creative order, a certain um, definition, if you will, of family created by God to function in a certain way. That means uh, uh, that family properly defined as a man and a woman in a lifelong commitment called marriage, organized around primarily the bearing and rearing of children. Um, and that, you know, the progress of children to grandchildren, you know, uh, um, in, in that continuation of a strong nuclear family tie. And so for, for us, family formation is threatened by these new and changing definitions of sex, in, of marriage, of what is the appropriate normative understanding of what a family is, and how um, should our nation's laws encourage, protect, advance, <laughs> help uh, protect uh, what natural marriage, what natural family really is. And so because there's crossover between this idea of of, of civil rights, that people that don't share our belief about the, the truth or the reality of natural marriage and natural family formation, and, and you know obviously the biblical understanding that we have of that, how are those people going to be protected in society? And so there's a, there's a, a fundamental worldview conflict between our understanding of what normal, healthy, um, um, 
um, flourishing families look like and the place that is trying to be carved out for so-called sexual minorities that say, well, I demand acknowledgement or protection or um, advancement, sometimes affirmation of my um, minority sexual status. And so we're, we're constantly talking about our difference of ideas about this and trying to work on protecting our ability to continue to to be in in many ways out of step with the culture about what a flourishing healthy sexuality and family looks like yeah and i mean if we want to talk about that a wall of separation here's here's where protection is needed because um there are many folks who believe what you just espoused and uh, they need to be protected from government interfering with how they carry out uh, the teaching of their beliefs to the next generation. And so um, those four policy areas are really key and really important. Okay, so that provides a nice segue for us, Jameson, to talk a little bit now about what, you're, what you've currently been working on. We talked about the four big policy areas, but what specifically have you uh, been focusing on there with your team? Yeah, well, when... Um... When the Biden administration, when President Biden came into office, uh, one of the first things he did was sign a couple of executive orders that directed the bureaucracy, that's all 12 departments, 13 departments, depending on how you count them, of the federal government, to create regulations that redefine the word sex in federal statute. And so we, we, have, we have focused our efforts on primarily on four of these regulations Title IX, which is in the education um, uh, uh, department of education, really important, has a, has a protection on the basis of sex, which was understood to be female participation in academic programs across the country for any group that received FFA. Um, there was a regulation, the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, that redefines pregnancy in such a way that includes abortion. Uh, there was a, um, a regulation out of the Health and Human Department of Health and Human Services that now um, redefines gender dysphoria as a disability, and that bleeds over into some guidelines that the Employment um, Opportunity Commission uh, is now uh, propagating that uh, would consider uh, something like misgendering as sex harassment in the workplace. Right. And so we've made comments on all of these things, reasserting the truth about sexuality, family formation, et cetera, but also insisting that um, if the federal government goes forward with these new definitions, that they are very clear that religious institutions maintain all of their First Amendment rights to have an alternate belief, an alternate view of what healthy family formation, healthy um, um, instruction to children is in these areas. And and from time to time, we call on our folks to make, make comments in these areas as well. So that's another way that our listeners can yeah. certainly be involved from time to time, be looking for that. But I know there's one other thing you're going to mention related to court cases. So talk about that. Yeah. And the other thing we've been doing is submitting friend of the court briefs are called amicus briefs um, in cases that we believe will have a direct impact on our ministry. And there's been several, um, you know, I mentioned uh, the the gender dysphoria, well, that, impl that implicates something called the Americans with Disabilities Act and Section 504, the Rehabilitation Act. 
Well, uh, another battle that's being fought in the courts is whether or not tax exemption constitutes federal financial assistance. Most of our listeners will understand that our schools avoid um, the, the, the death knell of government control called federal financial assistance. So they don't participate in any program that is considered FFA or federal financial assistance. However, there's a case out of the ninth district a case out of the fourth district, and now a new case, um, I think, um, in the fourth district, where courts are considering whether or not tax exemption. So the idea that um, our schools are tax exempt because they serve an important public service, they provide something beneficial to society, and so therefore should not be taxed by the government, whether or not that tax exemption constitutes a benefit or, or support or establishment, if you will, of a federal mandate because they're receiving something of value from the federal government. So it completely turns on its head um, um, precedent and our, our common understanding that if the government doesn't take something away from you, <laughs> you get to keep what you have, what is yours. Instead, now the government's saying, we're not taking it away from you, so we're giving it to you. So with these cases, uh, especially the ones that would make tax exemption um, for, for purposes of the law would make our schools recipients of federal financial assist, uh, assistance. The fact that we'd be tax exempt will then pull us into regulations we've never been subject to, to before, like Title IX, like um, the Americans with Disability Act, and potentially the Rehab Act. And so these are really important cases. Um, there's another case out of Michigan we just joined that again has to do with how Michigan civil rights law is interpreting the word sex. And so I think that's kind of a, a, a view of what we've been working on lately, a lot of regulation work and a lot of work on the this new novel idea um, about tax exemption being federal financial assistance combined with the work that we've been doing in the last few years uh, with our society and, our, and our, our politicians desire to um, redefine the word sex in law. And let's not mince words also, right, Jameson? I mean, there is a concerted effort to make ministries uh, like ours subject to these guidelines. I mean, that's kind of part of the playbook of what of what they want to see happen to uh, ministries like our schools, like ours, churches like ours, because they realize that that would have uh, an incredibly incredibly negative impact in our ability to to operate according to our uh, sincerely held religious beliefs. And so uh, it's important that we're in the game, if you will, on these things and that we're participating in the ways uh, that we are. And it's also important when we send out alerts, and we ask for help. Hey, make a comment about this regulation. Uh, hey, here, here's just some ways you can be involved. Call this representative or call your representative. Those things are really important. Uh, we cannot overstate the importance of those kinds of communication for our listeners when we send send those things out. Any, yeah, any we, word you want to say about that? Yeah, no, when we when we present something to you, we we believe it is of interest to you and the beliefs that we hold, the principles we hold. And so it's important you make your verse your voice heard when we alert you about these things that are moving either in Congress, legislator, or when we 
um, make you aware of, of an opportunity for you to advocate for yourself. Well, uh, advocate for the principles that your school is teaching. Our schools are the conscience of our culture, right? Mm -hmm. uh, one, I'll close with this story. I was in a meeting one time with a congressman talking about the vulnerability that we saw coming on the horizon, coming down the road on this issue of tax exemption and our religious institutions' um, uh, um, belief, teaching that's out of step with the cultural understanding of sex and, and uh, sexual orientation, gender identity being a new idea of civil rights. And the congressman said, well, listen, um, right now the culture is against you. And if I work on this bill, if I make no my support for this bill, then it's it's possible that um, I won't get reelected. And so until the culture changes, I'm not sure I can do what you're asking me to do. Um, ad advance this idea of protecting tax exemption. And I said, well, congressman, um, respectfully, if you don't, if our schools are not protected, how do you think the culture will change? And that's what's at stake. Um, if we wanna see changes in our culture, it's important that religious institutions be able to continue to freely express what we believe is the truth, the reality about these things, and to teach our children that. We're commanded to do it, and so we expect our, our, the government to respect our conscience in this, <laughs> to respect our fundamental right as recorded in the First Amendment, and let us continue to have a message that runs contrary to the culture, but to respect our right to do it. And that, my friends, sums up why the work that uh, you're doing with your team there in Washington, D.C. is vital to the work of our association. And so I think in this episode, we were able to give uh, our listeners a good idea of what it is in, in a general overview. I know there's many more specific things we could talk about, but we want to be mindful of the time. Uh, but we've been able to give a good overview with, with some specific examples about the work that we're doing on behalf of those who are our members. And so your work's important. I know that we're grateful for it. As we wrap up, is there any final words that you want to uh, add? No, we look forward to being with you more frequently. We look forward to talking about these things and other things on a, a more regular basis. And we hope you'll subscribe so that you'll get updates and notifications when a new uh, episode drops. And uh, we look forward to connecting with you in this new format. Well, welcome to season two. We hope that we are a blessing and a help to you. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you again next time on AACS Today.